Hi, you're listening to The Drip, a podcast about how to caffeinate your campaigns. Today, I'm joined by Mary Tabor. Mary is the Senior Web Editor for Internal Communications at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute in Boston. In this episode, we talk about the power of patient and doctor stories, why Dana-Farber will resume publication of its internal newspaper, and how to best manage internal communications across a variety of discrete stakeholder groups. One topic that you'll hear Mary go deep on in our podcast is the power of having writers on staff that are dedicated to capturing doctor, patient, and researcher stories. Yes, having a team like this can help maintain brand voice, but Mary makes the point that having familiar faces can help build trust in sourcing and telling these stories. One of the most powerful benefits of creating audio is the authenticity of the medium. It's a real person in their voice, and without a camera in their face, people tend to open up and be candid about their experiences. Whether you're capturing customer stories, or in the case of a healthcare system, doctor and patient stories, audio offers an unmatched level of authenticity for the listener. The author Malcolm Gladwell recently said that we think with our eyes and we feel with our ears. I think that's right. I think that most brands aspire to elicit the senses of those that they impact, and audio, in a really unique way, offers us a way to feel and share in those experiences. If you have questions about how audio might play a role in how you tell the stories of your colleagues, partners, and customers, email me directly at brian at venly.co. That's brian, B-R-I-A-N, at venly, V-E-N-N-L-Y, dot C-O. And now, the excellent Mary Tabor. Hi, Mary. Hey, Brian. Mary Taver is senior editor at the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute, where she works to engage employees and support internal communication needs, primarily through digital channels. Mary holds a master's degree from Syracuse University's Newhouse School of Public Communications and a bachelor's from Boston College. Originally from Syracuse, Mary now lives in Boston. Mary, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Brian. All right, so Dana-Farber is a huge operation. There's doctors, nurses, researchers, administrators, staff. On the other side of the equation, you have patients and their caregivers. With respect to your work in internal communications, how do you think about engaging with these stakeholders? What are some of the channels of communication that you use? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Like you kind of indicated, we do have a pretty large staff with a really wide range of communications needs. From an internal perspective, our team really focuses on pushing out information that's relevant to all or most staff. Um, So we're sending out regular all staff emails. Um, We put out a weekly newsletter of events and announcements. Um, We're posting news stories three to four times a week on our employee intranet. And we are publishing a printed newspaper bi-weekly. That's actually digital right now due to COVID, but we hope to go back to a printed format relatively soon. Since COVID hit, we have also been hosting regular open forums on Zoom, so staff can hear from our senior leaders. Um, They provide institutional updates, and staff can submit questions and comments either in advance or during the forum and then get feedback um, right away from the people that are really, you know, doing the work. In addition to what we're doing, um, going back to, you know, our wide-ranging staff and their, their various needs. Our departments are also sending out their own newsletters and hosting their own um, forums to really reach those specific pockets of staff. So, for example, um, our nursing department was hosting forums at the outset of of COVID 
with updates that were specific to nursing staff uh, and our our faculty, our doctors are receiving a tailored newsletter every week. Same thing for our researchers. We know as a team that these groups have their own specific needs for information. And, you know, a lot of times it's not something that we can always push out. So we're happy to provide them with resources like email templating and um, brand materials to help them get their messaging out and then let them kind of take the ball from there and push out what they really need. So I'm really curious about the newspaper. I I imagine that there's been some cost savings by going digital and that something like that might continue post-COVID. Is there a reason why you're planning to return to the paper version of the newspaper? Yeah, that's a great question. We're definitely saving some money um, not printing weekly or sorry, bi-weekly. But the newspaper is pretty interesting. It's, It's definitely intended to be a staff publication. However, we're distributing distributing it all over the institution. So it's um, something that our patients also read. So at the same time that we are, you know, potentially promoting a new employee resource group, we are also conscious of the fact that our patients and their family members and caregivers are reading it. And um, unfortunately, one of the built-in chemo treatment systems is that you are going to be in a waiting room for a little while, whether you're Um, waiting for test results, waiting um, for your treatment to start, even just sitting in a chair while you're receiving treatment. So our patients really um, have enjoyed reading that newspaper and we want to keep providing it to them, even though it is is staff focused in a lot of ways. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we're so focused on the digital channels of communication, but I think meeting your uh, recipients where they are is a really fascinating lesson to, to continue to remember. Like, you have people who are physically sitting in a waiting room and like that tactile form of communication is really important to them. I think it's a really important lesson to, to continue to, to uh, observe. Yeah, definitely. I think sometimes for patients, you know, it's not even just, it's not reading the articles, it's having something physical to flip through and take your mind off what you're doing there. So as an observer, one of the jarring visuals of the last year is just how emotionally taxing the COVID experience has been for frontline workers. And this is true across all dimensions of healthcare, even at Dana-Farber, which is specific to cancer care. What are some of the content initiatives that you've undertaken around morale building? How do you tell patient stories, doctor stories, staff stories? Yeah, just like you said, I think it's, it's hard to really put into words how big the impact of this pandemic has been on our frontline staff. Um, we've always tried to share engaging patient and staff stories. Um, I think they're really important to connect all of our staff back to the mission of the organization. But early in the pandemic, we, you know, we really struggled with this. We weren't entirely sure what to publish. We were really cautious of the tone. Um, We wanted to acknowledge the stress our staff were under. And, you know, in a lot of ways, it didn't seem appropriate to just keep pushing forward with our regular content. But that being said, it, it really didn't take us long to find our groove again. There was so much to be inspired by around the Institute, um, we quickly kind of shifted gears and um, shifted our content. So really early on when COVID really hit Boston more locally, um, we started sharing letters from our patients who were expressing their appreciation um, that Dana-Farber still felt like a safe place to them. Um, Many of our patients have, you know, 
express that Dana Farber feels like a second home to them. They feel so welcomed by the staff. The they, you know, it's weird to say, but they really love coming um, to get treatment and see their doctors and nurses. You know, many of them come for years. Um, so we were just reinforcing that our patients, you know, still were super thankful for the work that we were doing and all the efforts um, we're putting in to make it still a safe, welcoming place for them. Similarly, we were running a lot of stories about uh, COVID-related research that our scientists were engaged in. Um, early on, that was those were things like antibody therapies. And as our kind of post-COVID world took shape, we were also running patient stories with more of a telehealth angle. So showing how we were adjusting our care and meeting patients digitally who didn't necessarily have to be on site for their follow-up um, appointments. We've also been running a photo series that I really love. Um, it's called Faces of Hope, and it's a portrait series showcasing masked staff, masked frontline staff. Um, and I, I really want to highlight that those photos are not just of our doctors and nurses. They are also of our food services workers, our parking valets, security staff, um, anyone who is helping our patients get through their appointment. It was really important for us to showcase everyone top to bottom that was providing care um, for our patients. And now, uh, now that we have multiple vaccines in the market, um, we've added a Why I Vaccinate series. Um, so when that first, when the vaccine first came out, we recognized that, you know, it was new and there was a lot of apprehension for many people around taking it. Um, so we started asking staff to share a selfie from their vaccine along with their reasons for getting it. And um, many of our staff were saying things like, I want to see my parents again, or I have family abroad and I can't wait to travel again and see them. Um, and we are hoping that seeing the excitement and hope from colleagues will help those who are on the fence um, feel more comfortable getting the vaccine. And I think it's really, it's been super helpful in pushing the importance of getting vaccinated. Yeah, I mean, you're sourcing content from what feels like every corner of the earth. And <laughs> anyone who's had to like scale a contributor network knows just how hard that is. I mean, it's like, it's just usually a nightmare to do it, right? When we connected offline, I was so impressed to hear that you have a team of internal writers that conduct interviews with patients and staff and that they then in turn translate those interviews into written word content. Is the primary benefit maintaining brand voice across these stories? Like what are some of the other benefits to this tactic? Yeah, we are super fortunate. We have um, a team of four full-time writers, which I think is unheard of in, a, in an organization our size, as far as I can tell. Like you mentioned, it's been really helpful to maintain a consistent voice across stories, but also across platforms. Um, so our writers are working on our internal channels, but they're also working on our blog, our social media outlets, and a variety of other publications that we, um, our department's putting out throughout the year. Um, and it's really helped just maintain consistency across all those, all those various channels. I think it's also really helpful to have a strong group of people with institutional knowledge. Navigating Dana-Farber and all its relationships, both with other healthcare institutions um, and other 
you know, nonprofit organizations um, and community organizations, their relationships are really intricate. And our writers know who they need to go to, um, what our guidelines are for how to relay those relationships and um, who they can reach out to if they need extra help or extra information. They're really able to develop real relationships with our clinicians and leaders and researchers. I think it can be hard to convince anyone to put down their regular work and and sit down for an interview, but having these you know consistent people, our staff have grown to know and trust has been really helpful moving stories along and also sourcing um, stories. So we many of our writers will go sit down for an interview and come back with like three or four new ideas for additional stories they want to write that came out of their meetings. Dana Farber is pretty unique um, because it's, it's, if I'm not mistaken, about 50% patient care, 50% research. How does that play out in how you manage content and messaging internally? Yeah, that's a great question. I want to say that I really think it's, I love that our, at the same time that our clinicians and doctors and nurses are focused on providing patient care across the hall, literally across the hall our researchers are working on new treatments and um, breakthroughs. And it's, it's always so exciting to see a drug developed at Dana-Farber hit the marketplace and like start to make a difference. Um, but from a communications perspective, we're almost constantly working to provide a mix of content. Um, personally, on the, on the internet, the channel that I primarily manage, um, I try to alternate our research stories and studies with patient stories and profiles of staff and try and kind of tie the two together. Um, And like I mentioned before, we are also really relying on our our departments to reach their staff. We want everyone to be aware of the great things our researchers are doing, but we also recognize that our researchers themselves have different communication needs. So, you know, at the same time that we're telling their stories, we're also letting them lead many of their own communication efforts. Let me get you out on on this one. I think Boston's a, a particularly unique city for healthcare, just because there's so many great hospitals and medical schools. What's something that, from a marketing and communications perspective, that you're seeing your peers doing that has been particularly interesting or inspiring to you? Yeah, um, I totally agree. We are we're so lucky in Boston. Um, you know, on site at Dana Farber, we're within spitting distance of multiple world class class health healthcare institutions, um, all doing such great patient care and, you know, conducting their own research. From a communications perspective, we are, you know, always looking to our peers and um, trying to see what interesting and new things um, they're doing and, you know, what we can add to further engage our staff. Um, one of the things we, we put out semi-recently, um, we saw another hospital um, publishing a self-serve gallery of photos in their weekly email, just kind of highlighting events, staff members, um, cool things going on that maybe didn't quite bubble up to the surface of something that we would necessarily cover, but that we still want to highlight. So we implemented that not too long ago, um, probably a couple of years now, asking staff to submit their own photos and um, captions from conferences they attend, um, even, you know, holiday parties back when, back when we were having holiday parties. And it's been, it's been really successful. We've seen a great response. People generally love seeing 
themselves and their peers, you know, highlighted in places. And I think people just love sharing what they're doing at work. Um, since COVID, we've also had people submit like their work from home setup um, and other other things like that. And it's just just another way to really make people feel like they're engaged with the organization and that, um, you know, we're acknowledging the work that they're doing. Mary, thank you again for being with me today. Thanks for having me, Brian. This is great. Mary, thank you again for your wisdom today. If you like today's episode, you will love our next conversation with Matt Clunan. Matt is the Senior Director of Global Brand and Digital Marketing at Fiverr. Thank you again for listening. And until next time with Matt Clunan.